at this age in uh, Loretteville, in the suburb of Quebec, when we have no car, there's no buses or it takes two hours to go to the city and it's not what you want to do. And those teenagers, the suburb is where they used to play. They were a kid, but now they can't leave the suburbs. So they kind of, they are prisoner there. And uh, it's a prison where they are stuck with those people <laughs> and they have to deal with them. Welcome to Cinema Reignited, a podcast by the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television, powered by Telephone Canada. I'm Samah Ali, your host, and in each episode of this series, we will explore a different film that has recently been digitized as part of the Canadian Cinema Reignited initiative. Led by Telefilm Canada and in partnership with Hot Docs, the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television, the Festival du Nouveau Cinéma, and the Toronto International Film Festival. By taking you on a journey through time when each film was made and how the film relates to broader historical and societal themes, Cinema Reignited will help you rediscover the legacy of Canadian film and ensure that the stories of our past are not lost to future audiences. We're taking a look at these seminal Canadian films through a modern day lens, so we can gain insights into the shaping of our country's identity and culture. In this episode, we'll be exploring A l'Ouest de Bouton, or in English, West of Pluto, the 2008 French-Canadian feature film directed by Henri Pernadette and Miriam Véro. Vous êtes sur un désert de méthane glacé. Bienvenue sur Pluton. And we have indeed picked up the count. T minus three minutes, 45 seconds in counting, and all is going well at this point in the countdown. NASA's New Horizons mission to the planet Pluto is about to be launched. It's a 10 year journey to the outer planet with a swing by of Jupiter on the way. The coming-of-age story is one that is often explored in film, television, and other art forms, and one that captures a specific and unique time. If you ask many filmmakers, the period between childhood and adulthood is often the time where they discovered they wanted to make films in the first place. If you're a young filmmaker and you're hoping to draw on your own personal life experience to create a compelling story, the trials and tribulations of adolescence typically provides some compelling material. For filmmakers Henri Bernadette and Miriam Virgo, making a film about teenage life in suburban Quebec City was more than just about capturing the drama of daily high school life. In their 2008 film, A la West du Bouton, they present teenage characters in an impressively uncensored and hyper-realistic way. In contrast to the film and television portrayals of teens at that time, their casting of non-professional, real-life high school students, the use of handheld cameras, and natural lighting was so effective it often leaves the audience wondering if they're watching a documentary instead of a fictional drama. While scripted, Bernadette and Viro's cast of teenagers collaborated with the directors on their characters' dialogue and personalities, creating an ensemble cast that behaved like real teenagers, arguing with their parents, falling irrationally in love, going to parties that get out of control, and experimenting with alcohol and drugs. In 2006, 
shortly before the making of A l'Ouest de Bouton, the International Astronomical Union announced that Pluto, previously recognized as one of the planets in our solar system, was relegated to the status of dwarf planet. It is here that Bernadette and Virgo's film finds its central metaphor. The teenagers of the film resisting classification between child and adult, between dwarf planet and planet, and experimenting in the atmospheric, intimate, otherworldly dreamscapes of the suburbs. A l'Ouest de Bouton is at once hyper-specific to 2008 Loretteville, Quebec City, and more widely relatable to teenagers across the country, in different time periods, and today. To learn more about the unique process of the making of A l'Ouest de Bouton, we spoke with Henri Bernadette from his home in Montreal. To begin, Henri shared a bit of his original inspiration for the film. A couple of years ago, I had the idea of doing a, a choral movie, a mosaic with a lot of characters by night in the suburbs with real uh, teenagers. The inspiration was the emptiness of the streets of the suburbs by night. Some people I knew at the time played a game. It was called Joyeux. <laughs> it was a strange game where the goal was to steal the most absurd object. That was a, also an inspiration. How do you spend your time with the people that you didn't choose? They're, they're there. There's always people gathering together during those nights and you don't know where it's going to end. Everything is, is kind of possible. And it was also this kind of freedom, but fragility between the adult life and the, the life when you're more children. So it's kind of very intense period that is teenage years. It was all in the main idea of the movie. For the filmmakers, the success of the film hinged on accurately capturing all the magic of that in-between period after childhood and before adulthood. We asked Bernadette why it was so essential to portray teenage life in a realistic way. Everything that we saw at that time on TV, most of the time in Quebec, it was with the teenagers who were played by 26 years old professional actors. So there was not really films with real teenagers. Yeah, it was very important and also important to have their point of view on life. We needed to have the, the pulse of where they were in life with their opinions and the, their personalities because the character were made from their personalities. As they say, truth is often stranger than fiction. And the best stories come from real-life experiences. So, how much of what we see in the film is based on Bernadette's own teenage experiences? A lot. I wrote bad poetry <laughs> when I was a teenager. I gave it to a girl I was in love with. It was a catastrophe. And once my sister did a, did a huge party, and uh, I was not there, but uh, uh, my sister told me after that people were looking in our personal things and my mother's stuff, uh, my father's tools and everything. And uh, it was a very, uh, very strange uh, feeling to knew it after. And I, I was not there, but uh, I remember this when we wrote the film that what could I do if I were there? So uh, yeah, we put it in, in the film. <laughs> 
So there's a lot of my personal life experience in it, but the film is about our first experiences. The first time you take too much alcohol, the first time you're in love, the first time you are mean with your parents, just to test the boundaries, you know. In me and Miriam and also people who work, work on the film, I think there's, there's a lot of our life because uh, that's what you do when you're a teenager. The suburbs served as much more than just a setting for the film. Bernadette explained how the suburbs shaped the characters that ultimately created the narrative and drove the story forward. At this age, in uh, Loretteville, in the suburb of Quebec, when you have no car, there's no buses or it takes two hours to go to the city and it's not what you want to do. And those teenagers, the suburb is where they used to play. They were a kid, but now they can't leave the suburbs. So they kind of, they are prisoner there. And uh, it's a prison where they are stuck with those people <laughs> and they have to deal with them. They, they are stuck with every kind of, of person like they will be in the future in their adult life. And they're going to learn through this and uh, learn who they want to be, how to deal with, with others. Maybe it's going to help them to, it's going to help them to grow. One of the most important things to know about this film is that the cast is mostly made up of non-professional actors. To ensure the film felt realistic and true to life, Bernadette and Viro hired real teenagers from a high school in Loretteville, a suburb of Quebec City. We spoke with one of them to find out about his experience. I'm David Bouchard, and I play the character of Pierre-Olivier Langevin. So I was in high school and Miriam and Henri, the directors, they uh, were looking for um, teenagers to do this film. So they just came to meet us and we did improv workshops with other students that were interested in participating in this extracurricular activity that was making a film with these two directors that had gone to the same school I went to, École Secondaire du Mont-Saint-Sacrement. So I was in um, fourth year of high school which is like 15. And we were doing these workshops where we would talk about films and uh, talk about the potential characters that they wanted to have portrayed in the film. They sort of cast us in different archetypes and we would work improvs in that according to the canvases they, they proposed. How did Bernadette and Viro choose David and the other teens? We were looking for teenager who could just understand what we were doing. First of all, who wanted to be in the film and who were able to be as natural as possible. Some students were in theater at school, but we didn't took some of those, but most of them, uh, because they were aware of the act of playing of the, and that's not what we wanted. We wanted just them to be natural. I recently saw an interview with a famous actor saying, camera doesn't like acting. And it's exactly that. Bernadette explained how he and Viro worked with the cast of non-professionals to get them prepped and ready for the filming process. We did workshop at school with them once a week during a couple of months. So it was like a school activity for them. With them, it was really a work in progress and we had ideas and we 
tested them, we had their personalities in the script and uh, in the story. We filmed uh, this workshop. So they were used to the camera with time. So it's really like a documentary approach. We knew them uh, more and more. And sometimes we tried lines and they, they said, no, I can't say that word. It's not what we say old man so so we're like uh, okay how do you say that and um, and yeah it was really working with them it's really a collaboration we didn't add a script and they never knew all of the films they just knew part of it so before the shooting most of the time one hour before the shooting we gave them a, a little resume of the scene it was a mix of improv and our suggestion and their suggestion also sometimes in the dialogue. But most of the time they had the freedom to, like we said, uh, can you say this, this, and this, but in your own way, it was a mix between our ideas and their own interpretation of the scenes. And as an actor, Bouchard shared how the freedom to improvise helped the performances. They would suggest you could say it this way, you could say it that way. And we would do like lots and lots of takes, which is, I think, one of the reasons the acting is good in this film. We'd, we'd become like really free with our characters because we'd have lots and lots of takes. So every take wasn't as um, important as if you were on a set which, in which the time constraints are intense. And then in editing, they would have a lot of choices too for each scene. But what about the overall story? There had to be something that resembled a script. We exactly knew what was the story. We really had the arc of the movie because it's a really it's really narrative. There's a lot of narrative elements to it. There is some scenes that are really improv, and some scenes are very written, like the scene uh, Gilles Patat or Patagil. So uh, they were able to do exactly the text. But sometimes it was not possible because they're not actors. This technique of improvisation with non-professionals seems so experimental and unique compared to how many films are made. But Bernadette shared how other filmmakers had inspired him to use this unconventional and budget-friendly approach. Some filmmakers use, are using improv, like Mike Lee. It's a master for me. It's really a... When I saw Naked, is, it was the film that made me think, okay, I'm going to do film in my life. That's what I want to do. And it felt so real, so raw. So uh, it was amazing. And so, uh, yeah, Mike Lee, is, he do workshop and then write the script. I had this chance to see a masterclass with Carlos Regueras. He's giving some, just some, some resume to the actor when he work, is working with non-professional actors. Just a resume of, of the scene, what it is, just before the scene. Yeah, so there's a dogma who, uh, who made uh, this kind of fiction films with handheld cameras, and they prove that it's possible to have cinema that is really deep and really strong and uh, to have emotions and to have a lot of freedom using cameras and technical ways that are that are really cheap. It was really inspiring, for sure. We're now going to take a quick break 
for a message from our podcast partner, Telefilm Canada. Some people think going to the movies is about watching one, but they've forgotten the true magic of the cinema. At the movies, you can smell the memory of being a kid. Taste the wonder in losing yourself in a well-directed masterpiece. Touch the parts of your heart you forgot were still tender. And hear the contagious laughter of the crowd. See the lights dim and the energy shift. It's time to get back to it. Feel again at a theater near you. The intimate conversational scenes in A la West Le Bouton are periodically contrasted with wide landscape shots of the suburban setting. We asked Bernadette what his intention was in using these expansive dreamscapes. I shot with my camera most of these scenes alone at night. Sometimes with a friend, we took a, a truck with a ladder and we filmed directly in the streetlights. So the composition is like, it's doing like a sun and the city below the streetlights and the very large empty roads. It helps to express the metaphor that we are living uh, somewhere on a planet in a very wide and mysterious universe. So we live on a, on a planet like Pluto is, or it's, it's not, but still it's floating in, in space. And Pluto is not a planet anymore, but whatever scientists say, it still exists. So those characters live on a small piece of planet in the universe, like us, but still they are here uh, with others and they have to deal with this life and they have to grow up and achieve things. Some of the suburban scenes were planned, while others were happy accidents. We were filming the skateboard scene. There was this dog who was eating a tree. We had the freedom with our kind of, with the small crew that we have. We had the freedom to say, you're very good, Jan, with your skateboard, but we're going to film this dog instead, sorry, for the moment. So we, we filmed the dog and during um, 45 minutes, he tried to kill this tree and he achieved to do so. We, <laughs> we filmed so much with this film that this kind of thing happens when you're able to put a, a documentary approach to your feature film, you can have those scenes. Given the unusual methods the filmmakers used to bring the film to life, the actors often came face-to-face with awkward, challenging, and unexpected circumstances. David Bouchard shared a story where he and some of the cast found themselves in an unpredictable situation late at night. All right, so at this one point in the movie, these kids, they go away with the family portrait of the girl that's hosting this little um, soiree that becomes an open house party. And then the party, like uh, they ravage the home and they go out with this portrait. And then her big brother comes back and he wants to find it. And I end up in that car. So the big brother, uh, the actor's name is Tama. And he's driving, you know, because he's the older brother. He's got the driver's license and everything in in the movie. Uh, But the actual actor doesn't have a driving license. He's got his sister up front with him and three characters are behind. I'm one of the characters. And uh, so we're going through the um, the suburbs with the car. And so we're shooting a long while and we're just driving and the, the camera's on the on the front. And I think 
if I'm not mistaken, Miriam and Henri are in the, it's like a hatchback car. So they're basically in the trunk, like lying there looking at the monitor. So Thomas driving for real, even though he doesn't have a license, but he's really stressed out about it. And, uh, you know, the production is really legit. They told the police that we were doing that. And but we're driving. And at some point, like the police turns the corner. And Tama, who's really nervous about like his driver's license, not having it. So basically he ejects from the driver's seat and just <laughs> jumps towards the back of the car. But he didn't like park it or anything. He just like, I don't want to be in a driver's seat. I don't want to get arrested or something. So it's really an irrational reaction. He just, <laughs> he just ejects from the driver's seat. So nobody's driving anymore, right? Oh, and we're seven people in this car. Oh, and uh, Sandra, who's playing his sister, uh, the character's name is Emily. She just really reacts well. She's got her driver's license, all, uh, even though she's only 16. And uh, she just like plunges with her hands and presses on the brake from the passenger seat. So that's a good anecdote. In addition to the suburban dreamscapes, the filmmakers cut in footage from the making of NASA's New Horizons probe that would travel to Pluto in the years after the film was made. Yeah, I remember uh, Miriam wrote to the NASA to have this footage of making of New Horizons probe. We were very surprised that we could use it and for free. <laughs> it's a mix of a dream sequence and also a build-up for the end. The camera at the end goes up in the sky and uh, like the probe was going to go over Pluto at that time. The camera at the end that was going up over the suburbs, uh, it was linked for me to the probe, a new horizon that was going to go over this new entity, this new planet. Getting the NASA footage for free surely helped, but we asked Bernadette how he and Vero were able to make the film on such a small budget. With only $15,000 of their own money, Bernadette and Vero created an inspiring example of resourceful, independent filmmaking. It was a very, very small production. Before this film, I, I used to do film with Kino in, in Montreal and also uh, in Quebec. And it's a place where we did film with our equipment, very quick films, and we, we could show them every month to people. And, uh, and it was film made with no budgets, uh, short films made fast. And, um, but it was a revolution because before that, it was not possible uh, without fundings to do a professional movie. But now suddenly you could buy $10 mini DV tapes at the pharmacy and doing professional film. And we had the help of Spira at Quebec City, Spira Film, and they, they helped us with, to have free professional equipment for the movie. It was the only way to do it, <laughs> really. And um, nobody was paid at first. So it was just to do a movie, to do this movie. But they, they cared about the, uh, our friends who were on the crew. They, they cared about the, the characters, about the... Uh, the story, and they help us until the end. Even though it involved a lot of hard work and plenty of late nights, 
the experience would ultimately become influential in David Bouchard's life and career, serving as the catalyst for other projects he would later work on. Yeah, so at the time, I think like Pluto was a big part in me deciding to, you know, go for this um, acting career. I thought it was possible and I had actually like a tremendous experience working with the professional crew and working out that film. So Pluto was a big part of that, like meeting these artists that did that for a living and that were like totally putting all their resources into making that vocation work out. That inspired me a lot. It's been over 15 years since Alouette de Bouton was filmed. So we wanted to know from both Bernadette and Bouchard, if the movie might be different if it was made today. Today there will be a lot of cell phones in the films, but I think it will be pretty much the same because it's really a film about when you're a teenager, you, you have all those first experience and everything. I think it could be really similar. It will not change the story. It will not change the way they they do things well definitely like the number of interactions going through um electronic devices and apps and stuff like that i think at when i was in high school that's like so filming was i think between 2004 and 2006 maybe so that was before facebook so we had msn at the time i remember that but then if it was filmed today you'd have like a plethora of apps and ways to communicate. I wonder what the feeling of young kids today is of the places. I think one of the important things in Pluto is that feeling of the of the suburbs, of the actual place with the sidewalks and the the fields and the the houses and the roads and the electric lines. I wonder if kids today how often they look up from their phones and see and feel the places they're in. Probably that would be something else. All that feeling of the exteriors of the of the places where the locations we're shooting at. I'd like it to be as as developed, but I feel like being a teenager today is less focused maybe on that. And we also asked Bernadette and Bouchard why today's film lover should go and see A la West de Bouton as part of the Canadian Cinema Reignited program. It has some funny parts. It has interesting characters. I think it will help them to remember their own teenage life, for better or for worse. The result is a film that we made in being very free. And I think it's very interesting to see a freedom in movies, to see a, with real teenagers will help them to remember their own teenage life for better or for worse. It's an art piece that has a whole story behind it. And you feel that and you wonder when you see it, how it was made. So it's interesting to see the, the art piece and then to look into how it was made or actually ask yourself how it was made. It looks like a documentary, I think, at some, at some times. And um, I think it's an audacious way of filmmaking, like independent filmmaking. And it was... Um, it's interesting to see. I think it brings you back to that time. And it can also, if you're younger, you can also have a feeling for a time that might look dinosaur-esque where 
we'd still call each other and nobody'd have cell phones in high school. And, you know, it was a lot more um, ground level. In 2021, the Festival de Nouveau Cinema screened A l'Ouest de Bouton to teenagers in Montreal and asked what they thought of the film's depiction of teenage life 13 years later. 14-year-old Stella said she enjoyed the film because it shows discussions taking place in the schoolyard and at parties. And that's really how it happens. Because of the way it's filmed and also because of the vocabulary and expressions used, it doesn't feel like you're watching actors. It makes almost every scene believable. The audience of teens also shared how they thought the film might be different if it was made today. 14-year-old Juliet explained that one of the things that changed the most since then is the way guys behave with girls. In the film, we heard things that would be completely unacceptable today. She also added, if it had been filmed today, the issues of gender expression, sexual orientation, and the environmental crisis would have been at the forefront for sure. But despite these differences, the film captures an honest and timeless portrayal of adolescence that many teenagers growing up in the suburbs and around the country today would still relate to. If you're an adult, watching this film might make you nostalgic for a time when you had the freedom of no responsibilities. Or, on the other hand, the film might remind you of how thankful you are that those years are behind you. For me, this film reminded me of my days in the schoolyard. And while I am certainly happy they're behind me, I envy those carefree days of being a teenager listening to the latest Lady Gaga song on my iPod, wondering why Pluto is no longer a planet. Henri Bernadette and Miriam Virchot's A l'Ouest de Bouton is both entertaining for film lovers and inspiring for filmmakers. Digitized as part of the Canadian Cinema Reignited program, it is now available to rent on Apple iTunes. Thanks again to Henri Bernadette and David Bouchard for speaking with us for this episode. Thank you for listening to Cinema Reignited. I hope you learned something new today about the Canadian film landscape and our country's cultural identity. If you found this episode interesting, please share it with your network and even tag us at the CDN Academy and at Sister Sama. Of course, rate and review the podcast to help us connect with other Canadian film lovers. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode and hopefully we'll see you next time.